Hi, I'm Julia. Hi, I'm Julia. What? I'm sorry. (laughs) I totally blanked on how it goes. I was like, well, maybe they couldn't hear me. (laughs) No, I'm just not paying attention. Start over. It's time for what you should read. The podcast all about the titles you need. Join three book lovers and a guest as they cover all the best new titles to enjoy with your tea. I have that, but I haven't read it yet. Hi, I'm Julia. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kelly. And this is What You Should Read. The podcast where we should all over our books. It's been so long since we've done this. This is what happens when we take a week off. I forget how to do it. It literally happens every time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm very excited to be back and I'm excited about this week's episode topic. We're going to be discussing celebrity memoirs, why we love them and ones we recommend. And we'll be joined by our friend Christine a little bit later. But first, Kelly, what are you reading this week? Well, um... I'm reading a book that I had hoped to finish so I could talk about it, but um, I am reading You Can't Be Serious, which is Cal Penn's memoir. (gasps) And it's very good so far. I like it a lot, but I will not be done by the time we talk about it in just a few minutes from now. (laughs) I'm about a quarter in, but... It fits with the theme, so that's good. (laughs) Yeah, it's really good. I like him a lot, so... Nice. Um, Rachel, what are you reading? Oh, not much of anything, honestly. I went back into my slump, but I have been slowly working on the Matzah Ball by Jean Meltzer. It's really cute. I like the main character whose name is Rachel. So <laughs> points there already. Um, and she is a nice Jewish girl who's dad is like a famous rabbi and um, her mom's a doctor and they have very like, um, high expectations of her and they don't know that she secretly writes Christmas themed romance novels (laughs) and um and you know her mom makes comments about like oh it sounds like your freelance work is really paying you well if you can afford this two-bedroom on the Upper West Side (laughs) (laughs) it's like she's written a bunch of novels and three of them have been made into movies like she's really like famous she just writes under a pseudonym and um she has this meeting this is all in the beginning but she has this meeting with her publishing team and they're like so we want you to write a Hanukkah themed holiday romance novel and she was like what Hanukkah's boring and depressing (laughs) I want to write (laughs) a romance novel centered on that so it's just really um she's now she has to do research um, you know, to figure out how to make Hanukkah into a romantic holiday. I mean, the tension can build over eight nights, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, side note, the there's a radio station in Baltimore that plays Christmas music from like now until Christmas. Mm-hmm. So of course I turned it on uh yesterday when I was driving around and they played Adam Sandler's Hanukkah song and they cut out the part where he says, and smoke your marijuana. And I'm like, come on. Marijuana is basically legal in most states. Yeah, Yeah. seriously. And also it's a song. 
It's a yeah. song. And I mean, how many songs on the radio talk about like stuff like that, you know? Right. It goes straight from drink your gin and tonica, have a happy, happy, happy. <laughs> so you can drink gin and tonic, but you can't smoke a joint. Right. Yeah. <laughs> do you do that Whamageddon thing that contest people do? No. What is it? Um, apparently for the people that listen to Christmas music, um, it is a contest between you and your friends who also do it to see who can go the longest without hearing last Christmas by wham. And once you hear it, you're out. Oh my gosh. When do we start? <laughs> I, I guess now, but, um, I, I don't do it cause I don't listen to Christmas music very often. So I would win. Yeah. I would I'd just never hear it, but, um, yeah, one of I'm going to lose later today. <laughs> I was gonna say that's on my playlist, my Christmas playlist that I put on. Yeah, like one of one of my friends is like, we started Wham again today. I was out 10 minutes later. Nice. Awesome. Well, I am reading The House in the Cerulean Sea by TJ Clune, and I'm loving it. Yay. And I want to read this one before I read his other one that Kelly gave me. It's so good. Uh, yeah. So it's great. I mean, I think everyone at this point knows what it's about, but it's about um in this in the world of this book, there are magical children and they live in these orphanages. Um and there's a department to kind of monitor them. Um and you know if they're very discriminated against it's all about you know how we treat people who are different and and ostracize them and um, it's also about this guy who works for this department and he's kind of a caseworker, kind of like a social worker, but he's very by the book and kind of has this like, you know, rote day-to-day life that's kind of boring and isn't, you know, super exciting, but he doesn't really take any risks. And then he gets assigned this really kind of complicated case, um, I'll say. And he thinks he just, start, his eyes start to open a little bit more to, you know, what his job is really about. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I love it. It's great. And then I'm also listening to yes. And I love you by, uh, Roni Lauren. Is that the mm-hmm. author's name? Yeah. yeah. Uh, who also wrote another audiobook I loved the one with the true crime podcaster who loves horror movies. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I don't the, remember the title, but it's a I great know, book. I know it's so what good. If you and me. What if you and me? Thank you. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I'm loving this one. It's about, it's got an improviser as one of the main characters. So I've been meaning to get to this one and I'm already loving it so much. Oh, I'm so, so, mm-hmm. yep. so it's almost like of her books, there's one who is essentially me and one who is essentially you. So we just need the Rachel one to finish out the trilogy. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> well, there, it, it seems like there are a lot of characters at this workaround space that she can write novels about forever so I'm excited for that and hopefully the next one will be about the Rachel character (laughs) (laughs) oh boy so we haven't done book news in a long time which is the news news, I I do want to say the news we're going to talk about is from November and we're still in November so at least it's like the same month true right no I mean it it wasn't about that. It's just, we haven't done it in a long time and it's kind of been piling up. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff. A lot for of stuff. sure. For sure. Yeah. And, but also since, you know, not everybody is on book Twitter, this is hopefully still new and either way it's stuff that people should talk about. So trying to figure out the best place to start, but okay. So 
one thing that might be happening is they're considering maybe having audiobooks read by robotic voices and not actual actors. And this is not a new thing. There was actually an article in 2013 from The Guardian saying, you know, like, this is a thing that can happen. Please don't do it. It's bad. And the reason for this is, of course, a cost-cutting measure because doing an audiobook with actual voice actors, that, that can get expensive. And in theory, the bots would have, you know, they're fine. They work for free. But it's it's obviously just a completely ridiculous thing because I don't think anyone would want to hear robots reading your book. And if you want to hear people reading a book that have no ability to read a book or and no nuance and no voice changes, I will read you a book for free because that's not a skill I have. <laughs> maybe not free, maybe for Chipotle. I don't yeah. work for free, but certainly cheaper than actual things. And I have no acting ability. So consider that instead, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me, I just, the idea of AI voice reading audiobooks does not appeal to me as an audiobook listener, an avid audiobook listener. I like the um, intonations and like you said, Kelly, the nuance that real humans can put into their performance in reading books. And I just want to say about the cost cutting measure, obviously, yes, it would cost less. Well, at the same time, So where are those cost savings going to go? Are they going to benefit the authors of the books or are they going to benefit the executives of the publishing company? And circle gets the square because probably that last one. Right. Right. It's solely about increasing the publisher's bottom line because it's not going to change the advance or the royalties that the author gets. It's a cost cutting measure in an industry where profits are actually on the rise right now. And it's not, it's not like paying narrators is a huge exorbitant expense right now. And I was thinking about this because my first instinct was, of course, I wouldn't want a bot to read. I wouldn't want AI technology reading my audiobooks. Um, that would, that sounds awful. I get really annoyed when I call customer service and it's clear that it's AI technology helping me on the other end. I get very annoyed by that. But then I, I, so I was like, okay, let me challenge that assumption. What if it was an AI technology? AI technology is probably going to keep improving. And because it is something that was developed to help um, people with disabilities, Um, it can be used for good, right? To read off PDFs. And I'm sure the technology will continue to get better and better. It still won't have the same acting ability as a real human, but they could probably get kind of close. I also listen to audiobooks usually faster than one's times speed. I usually speed it up anyway. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, it's not even that it would sound bad because it probably would, but maybe what it wouldn't, if it sounded great, I still wouldn't want it. It's still the wrong thing to do. It's still putting human people out of work for no good reason other than greed. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessary. And this, this just, highlights how technology technological advances are invented to help people and then they are used by our capitalist structure to line the pockets of already rich people. Yeah. Cuz yeah, it's going to it's going to benefit the people at the very top of the publishing company. It's not going to it's not like people who work in like as 
marketing assistants are going to get a bonus from this, you know? So, um, so yeah, I, yeah. Number one, I, I don't think it would be as good as a human actor. And for most people who are normal, they probably listen to it on one time speed anyway. So they wouldn't like it. I just like to get through my books quicker, (laughs) Um, but it's just morally wrong and I don't like it. And there was a publisher's weekly article talking about it. And it was so gross. It was basically like, this would be so great. Yeah. Yeah. That (laughs) article was insane. That article was trash. (laughs) I'm sorry. Publishers Weekly has, has really been going downhill. I'm really, really disappointed. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think this will be good for people who are self-published, who maybe really couldn't afford to hire Mm -hmm. an actor to read their audiobook, but Right as of right now, Audible does not allow AI read audiobooks mm-hmm. on their platform, but that's probably going to change. It's Amazon; they don't care. Yeah. So I don't know. This it's really disturbing. Yeah, and it it also just shows like how little we value artistic endeavors and culture. Because I mean, I can't imagine, I can't imagine them doing this for many other mediums. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like basically, oh, you're just reading out loud. Anybody can do that. And right. it's, it's not that. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. It's it's like, oh, who needs the arts? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, we do. We really, really do. I just watched Tick, Tick, Boom. Have you have you watched that movie yet on Netflix? Oh. No, not yet. Um, there's this one scene where he's arguing with a friend, Jonathan Larson, who wrote Rent. And it's it the the musical Tick Tick Boom is is his autobiographical musical that he wrote before Rent came out mm-hmm. on Broadway. And there's this one scene, he's arguing with a friend, and the friend says, and he says, because his friend's like, you need to get your life together and get a job. And you know, you're you know, you're kind of wasting your life. And he said, I'm not wasting my life, I'm an artist, I create art. And his friend said, Oh, just what the world needs more art. And Jonathan Larson's like, yeah, actually it does. It's really important. And yeah, I, that really stuck. That's, it's a great movie, by the way. I highly recommend it. I'll have to watch it. Mm -hmm. I just, what a horrible person. No, the friend in this musical is great. Actually. It was just kind of a he was really upset about, he was really upset about something else, which if you watch the movie, you'll, you'll understand yeah. why he said that. Um, but yeah, in that moment, it wasn't a great thing to say. <laughs> and he doesn't actually believe it. it you yeah. know, the friend doesn't actually think that way. It was just in the heat of the moment. It just, I mean, can you imagine though, like if he had listened and we right. now lived in a world without rent? I know. I know. Oh my gosh. I cannot imagine. I love rent. And Oh, my partner tried, showed me this, um, this YouTube video of this woman kind of hate watching rent and trashing (laughs) it. And I got so mad and she, and part of her point of the video was how rent heads would be so mad at her for this and that they were going to come for her. And I was like, yeah, I might now. (laughs) (laughs) Dorian was just like, this was a mistake to show you this. Cause I was getting really heated. And I said, yeah, you have yes. no idea. <laughs> no. Who, who wants that? Who wants like this thing that you love that is so much a part of, you know, your own experience. And yeah. it's like, here's somebody being mean about, oh my God. Yeah. I, I'm getting mad and I didn't hear any of it. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, Doria did just show me her channel and was like, oh, I really like this YouTuber. We should watch one. And I was like, oh, play the rent one. I dare you. And mm. I, so it was really my fault because so 
He didn't have to agree. Right. No, I agree. I agree. <laughs> he could have been like, let's let's watch this one instead that you would agree with because you also yes. hate. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. And the news keeps going. Oh. <laughs> okay, so the Department of Justice is currently suing to block the Penguin Random House purchase of Simon and Schuster. And until fairly recently, it was the big six publishers, and now it's the big five. And going down to the big four, if they let this happen, like that's not, that is not okay. Cause that would be the vast majority of big publishing houses, right. you know, with, with so many more resources, I'm sure than Harper Collins or Hachette, but I don't know. Um, and a lot of people, like authors, are a little uneasy about it. And Simon and Schuster, um, the chief executive author or chief executive officer, Jonathan Carp, released this statement. And um, it says the DOJ can, in part, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, the DOJ contends that PRH's acquisition of SNS will reduce competition for the acquisition of titles. Uh, notably, DOJ is not alleged that the acquisition would harm competition in the sale of books. And it, it continues that they completely disagree and there is no basis for these claims and they're going to fight to let this um, this buyout go through. And then what feels like really patronizing to me, um, over the last 18 months, amid an unprecedented series of disruptions to our company, our industry, and to the world at large, we have remained focused, energetic, and creative in our efforts on behalf of your work. Um, and then Simon & Schuster has changed ownership seven times over the course of our 97-year history, and always our authors and our books have remained our principal concern, interest, and passion. Um, and just continues like that they still are going to fight it. And it just, it makes me feel like they're saying it's fine. Don't even worry about the business parts. You just write your little books and we're going to keep mm -hmm. publishing. I, yeah. I don't know. Everything about this is just disturbing a little bit. So what's it going to be? Penguin, Random House and Schuster? Yeah. It's going to be weird. They're just going to keep adding names to the, uh, this is, this can't happen. Yeah. The, the more centralized that publishing becomes the the less uh benefit to readers to authors um mm -hmm. and to people who work in publishing who aren't at the top because it's going to mean that penguin random house and schuster is going to have all the resources <laughs> to get the big name authors mm -hmm. and little publishing houses in and I work for a, a publishing house that is not one of the big five but we're also not a small indie press we are a at least have a seat at the table when a big, you know, book is out and can bid for it. And sometimes we get it. We published that Paul McCartney book mm -hmm. at Norton and it's BNN's book of the year. And that's great, you know, but if, you know, Penguin Random House and Schuster had, you know, had, you know, that's a lot of money for a company like Norton that doesn't have as much resources as this other company is going to have. It's like, it's just going to make it harder and harder to get those kind of books and the wealth should be spread mm -hmm. so that there are as many avenues as possible for ideas to get out there for books to be published. Um, so if this happens, it will be harder to do that. And that's a bad thing. Absolutely. I, yeah. I don't know how that 
Simon & Schuster CEO can say there's no basis for DOJ's claim that it's going to interrupt competition for acquiring titles. Like literally, like a fifth grader could figure that out. Like I, it's not a hard concept. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, that letter was BS. There yeah. was, yeah. yeah, everyone knows it. Yeah. <sighs> Although um, a, a little sidebar before I go to our last piece. My friend Shecky, we worked together at Spencer Hill. Um, he said that really they they missed a real opportunity when um, Penguin and Random House merged. He's like, they should have called it Random Penguin. So maybe yes. now we could get Simon Random Penguin. <laughs> I mean, it's still bad, but the name would be cute. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, and last bit. And this is this is something that keeps popping up. This is at least the third. Um, but Amazon has been accused of price fixing ebooks, and lawyers are like, "Stop it, stop it." <laughs> and the the good news for this is that once it goes through the court system, people who have really unfortunate Kindle buying habits will get a very nice chunk of the settlement money. <laughs> oh, congrats, Kelly! <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> Um, I, I don't remember how much I got in the last settlement, but it was literally enough to get a Kindle Oasis and a handful of books for it. Wow. I have a really bad book buying problem. Yeah. (laughs) Well, now I'm a little excited and less regretful of my book buying problem. (laughs) I mean, um, I have a lot of Kindle books too. I was reading that article because I was having trouble making sense of like the, the, the details and, but one part was so basically the publishers are arguing that I know it can't be, it can't be that we're doing anything bad because actually the contract we signed is against our own interests, right? Because they basically are giving Amazon kind of a deal they claim on their eBooks. But then the court's like, no, no, the lawyers are like, no, no. If, if everyone signs that agreement, it's then a, a horizontal cartel. <laughs> I imagine all these publishers like as a drug cartel, <laughs> but it's books and they're like, we're well, pushing yeah. books. Um. <laughs> I mean, apparently Amazon is not unlike a cartel in right. the way that they deal with authors and publishers. So, yeah. oh God, now I said that out loud and I'm expecting my Kindle to burst into flames. Yeah, they're going to come for us now. <laughs> I, I, I will <laughs> say no more. Yeah. Um, well, I know what happened each time, and I think what it what got it in trouble to begin with is when ebooks first started, the most expensive books were 10 bucks, like your new releases. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the first things I got when I got my Kindle for the first time was um, a Stephen King exclusive short story, which is actually the best one if you guys haven't read it. Um, it's this guy and he gets a, a Kindle, but it's it's weird, it's wrong. And it's basically every book that an author has written, including the ones that aren't available. So for example, you would get Harper Lee's third book. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. So I would uh-huh. I would for sure like that weird, creepy haunted Kindle. I was gonna say. <laughs> Exactly. Is it a nightmare or a dream? <laughs> it's a little of both. Yeah. <laughs> like most things. Yeah. Wow. So lots of book news this week. Yeah. Then I want to make sure we're done before we move on. I think so. Yeah. I think we got through it all. It's 
experience. Yeah. Well, this week we have a lot of recent acquisitions to go through since we haven't seen each other in a while. I don't think we've done recent acquisitions in a while. So Julia, why don't you go first? Okay. Well, speaking of Amazon, <laughs> um, I was taken in by the offer to get If the Fates Allow by Rainbow Rowell, which is a what? short novella or a short story. I don't know um, about Reagan, the character Reagan from Fangirl. And it's a Christmas story. It's free for Prime members. I got the audiobook and the ebook. I'm I'm sold. I, you know, Amazon and Rainbow Rowell are both problematic, but I love Fangirl so much. It's one of my favorite books of all time. I'm sorry. So I love it enough that I probably would buy it too. I have to get it. It's free for Prime members. So, you know, I already guiltily have Prime. So whatever. (laughs) And then I don't know if you both noticed this, but the influencer ALCs for November, I think there's a new one that they added since we looked last. It's called the 1619 Project. Ever heard of it? And it's the book and it's narrated by Nicole Hannah-Jones. It has a full cast. So yeah, it's 18 hours and 56 minutes long. (laughs) Wow. Oh yeah, it is new. I'm getting it. Yeah. I I grabbed that. (laughs) And then my book of the month box came. So I got one, um, this, and I think I got the same books you did, Rachel. So I got A Little Hope by Ethan Joella, which is about, um, these characters in this small Connecticut town. And I, I don't know, it just sounded like, yeah, it was compared to Leanne Moriarty, I think. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, I was like, okay, great. I'm sold. And then The Family, um, which is a historical fiction about the mafia. Yeah. And I think two best friends and... Um, you think it's like their dads are both in the mafia yes. and it's like, are they allies or not? I don't right. know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so both of those sounded good. I'll probably get to them next year sometime. I don't know. <laughs> I think those were my, um, those were my recent acquisitions. Nice. Yeah. Kelly, how about you? Um, surprisingly I was, I was very good. Mm. Um, I got the Cal pen. You can't be serious. Um, and I got little sister, my investigation into the mysterious death of Natalie Wood, which will also be coming up later. Um, but I've, I've been wanting this book for a really long time and it was expensive even on Kindle, but I finally, finally bit the bullet. I got horror noir blacks and American horror films from the 1890s to present by Robin Armines Coleman. And it was the basis for the documentary on shutter and, um, the, anthology movie that just got released also on shutter that I have not read yet. I so might need to get watch that book. I might need to get that book for someone for Christmas. <laughs> I mean it's the documentary is really good. So I'm excited to read the the whole book. Totally. Cool. Yay. Is that it Kelly? Yes. I'm impressed. Wow. Yeah. I, I have the most this time. Okay. So first things I'm going to talk about are my holiday book acquisitions so I got Hogfather by Terry Pratchett um so um I guess Santa dies and death has to then deliver the presents so that's that's all I know about it (laughs) it's it's a Discworld book but it's kind of like 
an offshoot, I guess. I haven't read any of the disc world yet, but. Um, oh, they're so good. I love yeah. Terry Pratchett. You're going to love it. It sounds great. <laughs> I haven't read that one though. I might need to borrow it. I guess it's a movie too. So oh. like read it and we can watch the movie together. Okay. And then I got Always in December by Emily Stone, which was compared to um, One Day in December and other books that I love. So I'm excited for that. I like the author photo on the back is a cartoon rendition yeah. of the author. <laughs> um, Julia and I went to Salem last weekend, oh, Salem, Massachusetts. I forgot we to get, I forgot to do my Salem acquisitions. Okay. Oh. You, I'll, I'll do an addendum later. Okay. All right. So we went to a witchy bookstore and I got The Silver Witch by Paula Braxton, who also wrote The Witch's Daughter and the sequel to that, which I haven't read. I have read The Witch's Daughter and then I didn't know she wrote, th- wrote this. So I was like, well, I loved The Witch's Daughter. So I'll read anything that that author writes. And then I went to Bull Moose one day because I had some extra time. So I popped in. I got three books there. I got Just Haven't Met You Yet by Sophie Cousins, which is, of course, one of my uh, most anticipated releases for this um, end of the year. Really excited for that. I got, I think this was one of Kelly's most anticipated, but it's A A Marvelous Light by Freya Marsk. Marsk? I don't know, but it looks good. Yeah, it's about magic and it's like a queer love story and sounds really good. I think there's like a mystery too. And then another uh, most anticipated, The Sentence by Louise Erdrich, um, which is about a haunted bookstore. (laughs) So excited about that. And then um, my last ones are my book of the month, which just like Julia said, we both got these two, The Family and A Little Hope. And then I also got Still Life by Sarah Winman. This is another um, historical fiction and it's set in the 40s in Italy, mm. in London. I guess it's kind of different parts of Europe. So nice. I like that cover too. Yeah, it's pretty. The bird. I like it. Nice. Yeah. At that bookstore, I got, I think it's of mischief and mayhem, which was one of my most anticipated. Um, it's like a cozy mystery romance. And then I got this journal and I can't think of the title right now. Oh, it's, um, oh crap. It's, it's a, it's about being calm. (laughs) Oh, inner fucking peace. Inner fucking peace. (laughs) Okay. So the, the title of this journal is inner fucking peace. (laughs) And it has all these prompts like that are really funny, but also designed to help you, you know, with like certain things, if you have anxious thoughts or if you want to like achieve a goal Um, and it's really small and the prompts don't take long to fill out. So I've been having fun. Um, I've been, you know, when we were in Boston, I was having fun kind of filling it out. And then I came back and I have this conference that I've been working at all week. So I haven't done it since then, but now I have the whole week off. So I'm going to. I'm going to try to get back to it. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, I think those are our recent acquisitions. Um, So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be joined by Christine Kittredge. And we are going to be discussing our favorite celebrity memoirs. So stick around to get all the tea. And we'll be right back. It's time for what you should read. 
the podcast all about the titles. You okay, we are back and we are joined today by our friend Christine. Christine, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, we're glad to have you. We are discussing our favorite celebrity memoirs, the gossip, the drama, the <laughs> <laughs> the they're just like usness of it all. <laughs> Um, so this is a, a topic that I've been wanting us to, uh, to do for an episode for a long time. So I'm really excited. We're doing it now. These are, I, I, I tend to gravitate towards a celebrity memoir, especially if I can find it in an audiobook narrated by that person, uh, that is always just, you know, kind of one of my favorite types of audiobooks. So I'm just curious to know, um, those of us who read a lot of celebrity memoirs, like what is it about them that, that we like? Mm. Rachel, do you want to start or Christine, you want to start? Go ahead. I don't mind starting. Yeah, go for it. Um, I know that I have always been somewhat of a celebrity obsessed person. I was a preteen with like my wall covered in things from like teen magazines of celebrities. Um, and I have always been just like interested in knowing more about like the famous people that I thought were interesting and so celebrity memoirs are like the way to do that because it's the celebrity getting to tell their own story and I I mean I gravitate towards memoirs in general like I like hearing the stories of people that I have lives that are not like mine um and certainly most celebrities (laughs) that is the case um (laughs) and I I like you Julie I also really love to listen to them on audiobook because it's just like they're telling you their life story in your ears so um I think that's why I love them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Rachel, what about you? I would totally definitely second everything, just like reading about um, people who have lives that have pretty much no resemblance to mine. Um, Very interesting. And people that make content that I love, like television or, um, or writers, even I've read some authors memoirs, um, just like learning about kind of where, all of the inspiration and background came for this content that they've created that I've consumed and enjoyed. And so that I like hearing about that um, because probably pretty much all of the memoirs I'm going to talk about today include um, people who have created content that I've loved very much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Kelly, what about you? Um, Everything already said. (laughs) Um, I also really, uh, And I I think this comes down to me also being very into celebrities. I want like all the, all the gossip, all the juicy things. Did you hate somebody? Tell me who and why. Yeah. (laughs) Um, There's actually a picture of like toddler me on the couch reading a people magazine. (laughs) It has not changed. (laughs) Yeah. You always got people magazine and entertainment weekly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I'm an extremely nosy person. I mm-hmm. love to know things about other people and just, I, I do have a, a weakness for gossip. So I think that's part of what I, I love to, um, and yeah, it's funny because I, 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 when we first started thinking about this, I thought, oh, all of mine are going to be memoirs by comedians. Cause I read a lot of comedy memoirs, but the, the three that I have at my top are all movie stars. And I just, and I was interested, it was curious to me. I was like, oh, I guess I read more of these than just, you know, my comedy idols. I really do love a good celebrity memoir. 
Um, yeah. And I feel like everyone has a book now, (laughs) even, (laughs) even people who I feel like aren't that famous, they they'll have a book. Um, but I was curious to know if there's anyone out there who doesn't have a memoir yet that we would like to see one from. (laughs) Um, obviously I want Taylor Swift to write (laughs) several volumes of memoir. Yes. I'm with you there. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it will ever happen. Um, Oh, it will. Yeah. Eventually. Maybe when we're like middle-aged or something. Yeah. Yeah. Her music is, is very self-expressive. Yeah. Not all of it, but, um, so I feel like she could also do something where she writes one per album. (laughs) Oh, and re-releases the albums again. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) the early years and the yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Does anyone else? I was trying to think of of someone, um, and I was having a hard time coming up with it. But and this would never happen. But I would love like a royal tell-all from you know Mm. someone really in the royal close in the royal family. I mean, I know Harry and Meghan have kind of like spilled a lot of beans, but. I mean, like, what if the queen was secretly writing a memoir and it was really juicy and it came out? I think that would be cool. That would be amazing. (laughs) I I would love that. (laughs) But it would never happen because it's totally against what she, yeah. Well, um, I think Harry and and Meghan are writing a memoir now, I think, like collectively together. And I I think he's going to be very honest, but I don't think he's going to be 100% honest. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure he's the queen's favorite and (laughs) he probably really doesn't want to mess that up because they Mm -hmm. seem very close. And yeah. Maybe he'll wait and release it after she dies, which she's never going to do, but. Right. She is immortal. When she was in the hospital, I was like, you cannot take her from us. Right. Um, I think if, I don't think she has a book. If I, if she does, then I'm really embarrassed. But another person that I wouldn't mind reading a memoir by is Beyonce, just because I love her. And I feel like she's had a really interesting life. And I feel like she knows a lot of real hot gossip. I don't know. I don't know if she would, I feel like she likes like some air of mystery about herself and her life. So I don't know that she would really give us all the juice that we would actually want. But like, Mm -hmm. if she would, I feel like that would be a really incredible memoir. No, I think you're right. I don't think she has because she is pretty private. Um, Mm -hmm. So, but she, I mean, she did homecoming, which was a little bit of a window into her life. But I think you're right. Like, I think we, the world needs that memoir and maybe eventually she will when she's, you know, yeah. Yeah. Similarly, Janet Jackson would be great. Oh, yeah. I would like really tell us your life because she has had a wild life too. Mm -hmm. Definitely. There is a documentary coming out that I think she, she is involved in that is about her. So that might serve the purpose. (laughs) Very excited. (laughs) Yeah. I think of people who grew up in the industry, Mm -hmm. I also think of like, I don't know, maybe he does have one, but I don't think so. Macaulay Culkin. I feel like he knows a lot, like has seen a lot and been through a lot. Um, That would be interesting. That would be really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, let's talk about some of the books that we, we do have and that we recommend that others read. So Christine, I'm going to start with you. What's your first recommendation? Okay. Let me just get my list open. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think this is like a pretty, I mean, this is a recent one that like everybody was talking about, but I do really recommend Open Book by Jessica Simpson. Ooh. Um, I listened to that on audiobook this summer and that was it like I felt like every podcast I listened to and like everybody just was like talking about how she w- really was pretty honest in it. And she is she like really she goes back to her childhood, like kind of up through her entire career. And she has had a very interesting life mm-hmm. um, and her relationship with her parents and her like becoming famous is really interesting. I feel like it's not that dissimilar to Britney Spears. I mean, like maybe a slightly different dynamic, but like there's definitely some similarities there. And then she also she's like real honest about hot gossip of like her dating history and like especially there's a lot about John Mayer. Oh, I um, bet. <laughs> oh, so, and she like does not hold anything back. And and listening to her on audiobook, like she has a really nice feels like she's like your friend Jessica telling you yeah. her very interesting story. So <laughs> I highly recommend that one. Oh, I gotta read that. That actually makes me think, oh well, we might get a Britney memoir now. Yeah. yeah. Which I will guess. I will buy immediately. Oh yes, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, that okay. That's really good. Yeah. I think I would read that too. Cool. Um, okay. Rachel, what's your first pick? So my first one is, um, a comedian and actress I really love. And that's, um, Rachel Bloom's memoir. I want to be where the normal people are. <laughs> <laughs> Great title. <laughs> it's really funny. At the end of the afterwards, she's like, by the way, it's clear that the title is referencing the little mermaid, right? <laughs> She's so funny. And I love her show, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And I also mm-hmm. love all the like funny stuff she does on YouTube. And she's just hilarious. Her stand-up, I love her. Um, the book is really funny. It just like from like birth all the way up through, you know, doing Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, she talks about certain um phases of her life and how she's how she deviates from the normal quote unquote. Um, and just like why she's different and how that kind of impacted her, you know, relationships to other people, her relationships with her parents and her friends and boyfriends. Um, I didn't listen to this on audiobook, but I definitely will go back and reread it by listening on audiobook because she writes a whole musical about like her time in, um, college in musical theater and comedy and stuff. And it's really, really funny. Um, and I want to listen to her sing it. Um, and she's just, I love that, like throughout the whole book, right. She's talking about, you know, what's normal and why she's not normal. And then by the end, she's like, you know what, maybe I don't want to be normal and that's okay. (laughs) You know, maybe being, being normal is kind of boring. (laughs) So I really love it. It's just, it's such a good, (laughs) such a good book. I know in the show, her character struggles with some pretty intense mental health mm-hmm. um, challenges and or diagnosis. Um, mm-hmm. Does she, I'm just curious, does she struggle with something similar or something different? And yeah, she I, about it? you know, she talks a lot about that and how it was really hard to kind of get diagnosed with 
what she has, which is OCD. It's not the same as what her character in the show has, but um, she has like generalized anxiety and depression, but also like her OCD manifests in a very like peculiar way, not very common um, symptoms. So it took a long time to really get actually like diagnosed with it. Um, And she talks a lot about like this phase she went through in middle school where um, her OCD was manifesting as just like thinking like bad things were going to happen. And um, it's really, it's almost hard to describe. Like you have to read it because it was just like her parents were like, we don't know what to do anymore. And it was really sad actually. Um, But yeah, very interesting, um, you know, the way she talks about it. Yeah, that sounds good. Mm -hmm. Kelly, what is your first pick? Okay. Uh, Also, I didn't say, but I would have really liked a memoir by Wes Craven. I know we moved past it, but I I really wanted to say that because I think he has a lot of interesting things to say, but he also died a handful of years ago. So if there's not one now, there won't be. Yeah. Which is a bummer. That's sad. Um, But my my first um, is Little Sister by Lana Wood. And she is, as you might imagine, the little sister of Natalie Wood. And she talks about her own Hollywood career. She was a Bond girl and she played the younger version of Natalie Wood in The Searchers. Um, But mostly the, the real value in this, I think, is that she basically talks about what she thinks happened the night that Natalie Wood died. And if you guys don't know, um, she was on a boat with her husband and Christopher Walken. They were in a movie together and um, Natalie Wood had a lifetime fear of water. So it's weird that she's on the boat anyway, but the fact that somehow she ended up off the boat drowned you know, it's, it's a very sketchy thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, she does, she does blame her husband for it Mm -hmm. because like, she's like, there's no way, there is no way that Natalie would have gotten off that boat, especially she was in like a flannel nightgown and heavy socks. And she's like, you don't understand. Like she never left the house, not looking perfect. So like her going out, you know, her getting in a dinghy to go to town in a nightgown, like, no, that, that never happened. That's crazy. Yeah. And I think she does think that it's, um, I think she thinks that it was genuinely an accident. Like she didn't, like, she didn't think that he wanted to kill her, but when she fell in, she's like, I guess he figured, well, (laughs) the fallout from this is going to be really bad if we get her on this boat. Wow. But the other thing is, um, for years, there had been a rumor that Natalie Wood was raped as a teenager by an older co-star or like an older Hollywood guy. And it's it's been circulating for years. And there were a lot of theories for who it is. And in this book, she said it was Kirk Douglas. And she said, like, Natalie told me, like, he hurt, he hurt her. Wow. And... Now, this is this was published by Harper Collins, and I'm sure the fact that she, uh, Lana Wood, very explicitly said Kirk Douglas raped my sister, and the fact that it's in the book, 
I would imagine that had to go through a lot of lawyers being cleared. And um, Michael Douglas released a statement that said, may they both rest in peace. So he's not denying it. He's not not denying denying it. it. Wow. Wow. Because, I mean, if somebody said that about my dad, that he had raped somebody, I would be like, you shut up. That's not true. That never happened. Show me your proof. I own your life now. So was his statement just, may they both rest in peace? That was it? Wow. That's, well, I guess I don't know that for sure, but everything that had the press statement, like the release, like that was his only comment. May they both yeah. rest in peace. Wow. So. Yeah, that sounds. That's an awful thing to like know and believe is true about your dad. Like yeah. obviously yeah. it's more awful to- what happened to Natalie Wood, but I I could also uh, like only imagine, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's a, yeah, Yeah. it's gotta be rough. I mean, I feel like there have been rumors that Kirk Douglas was very handsy. Yeah. But I mean, that's obviously very different than, you know, but it's, it's a good book. Yeah. Kelly, I was just, I was thinking like, this sounds like the perfect mix of celebrity memoir and true crime. Like it's like perfect for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's so good. And like, also, um, yeah, like the, the whole investigation into her death was really just botched because there were people on boats kind of nearby and they were never interviewed by police. It's yeah. So. Wow. Um, okay. My first pick, I'm so excited. This book just came out a couple weeks ago. It's Will by Will Smith. It's co-written by Mark Manson. And this is one book that you do need to listen to the audiobook if you're going to read it, because there are a lot of audio clips interspersed throughout the book of clips from his music, clips from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, clips from his movies. He has an original song at the end that is really, really good. It's legit. I reround and listened to it four times because it was so good. So it's Will by Will Smith and Mark Manson. And I feel like Stefan and SNL, like this book has everything. (laughs) This book (laughs) truly does. It has a rags to riches story. It has um, an abusive parental figure um, that you know, was, uh, a, you know, something that he dealt with growing up. It has, um, you know, famous, famous people, like so many famous characters throughout. Um, it has a, a hero's journey. It's the hero's journey, really. I mean, he knows how to craft a story. He has made his life study is of movies and being a movie star because in, and he says this in the book, my singular goal was to be the biggest movie star in the world. I mean, he's a cocky, mother effer, right? Like he really is, but he, he doesn't deny it. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. just like, I wanted to be the biggest movie star in the world. And I am, and you know, I, I own the movie business, you know, and he, he says over and over, I had eight number one movies in a row. It's kind of annoying, (laughs) but but it's incredible. I mean, when you think about how much success he's had, it really is quite incredible. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's funny because he is so different. And, and it's not like I can really relate to anything that he went through or his life, but I was just so engrossed the whole, the whole time I was listening to this book. It starts out. The prologue is his dad was making his, him and his brother, when they were kids, they had to build a wall, a brick wall Then he gave them this project. They had to work on it all summer. And I mean, it was grueling. It was 
child labor is probably not legal. And, but they had to build this wall and they, one day they were complaining about it and they were like, I can't believe we have to build this wall. We're never going to get this done. How can we build a wall? And his dad comes up to them and he says, stop talking about the damn wall. There is no wall. There are only bricks. Your job is to lay one brick perfectly and to keep doing that. Stop thinking about the wall. There is no wall. And that's kind of a through line that he uses throughout the book and how he kind of approaches every project he does. He doesn't think about, it's not about the movie. It's about this scene right now that I'm doing. It's Mm -hmm. about like this character or whatever. He like kind of takes things piece by piece. So I was kind of like really hooked from the beginning by that. His dad is really a key figure throughout the book. He calls his dad, daddy-o. <laughs> um, the other thing that I thought was really interesting about the book is that very early on, Will Smith admits that he himself is an unreliable narrator of his own life because he lives a lot of his life in this fantasy world that he creates for himself. He like has such a active imagination. And there are things that he knows didn't actually happen that he remembers vividly as if they happened. Yeah. And it would happen all the time as a kid where he would say something like this happened and his mom would be like, no, well, that never happened. (laughs) So I think we all have stuff like that when we were kids, but, um, but he, he, he even said he, just the fact that he says at the beginning, I, and I thought, oh, so can I believe anything in this book? You know, that was kind of intriguing for me. Um, anyway, it's really, really good. It's really fun to listen to. I loved hearing the scenes from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. It made me want to go back and watch that show because I loved it. And I, I was thinking like, oh, my nephew who's 10, I'm like, I should introduce him to that show because I think he'd like it. Um, so yeah, I, I highly recommend Will by Will Smith and Mark Manson. Um, I need to read it. Listen to it. I watched King Richard last night. Um, which is on HBO max. It's really good. And it reminded me, I never really think of, um, Will Smith as, I mean, obviously he's an actor and he's done a ton of stuff, but I haven't seen anything he's done in quite a while. So it's like, oh, wow, he's actually really good at this. No, he's a great, yeah, he's really good. I mean, this is his life's work. Yeah. And I think he's hoping (laughs) for the Oscar for this one, right? Like this, we, and I really hope he wins because, we do need his Oscar acceptance speech in the world. I just think mm. we need that. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how close he is to an EGOT. He has a Grammy. Yeah. Um, I think he has an Emmy. Yeah. For, for Fresh Prince, he might. I don't know. The thing is, um, it's just it's just kind of, he's kind of crazy. Like he would go to, he did all this international press for all his movies because he figured out that number one, he could make more money if his movies sold well internationally. Mm. Number two, if he's loved around the world, he that's how he's going to be the biggest movie star in the world. Mm. So he kind of like figures out the system pretty early on. And every city he would go to, he would call Tom Cruise's agent and be like, what's Tom Cruise's um, schedule for this city this week? Because he knew Tom Cruise was doing the same exact thing because Tom wow. Cruise was the biggest movie star in the world at the time too. And he was always trying to do just a little bit more than Tom Cruise in terms of press. But at one point he was like, but I mean, Tom Cruise is obviously a robot because no one can work that many hours. <laughs> Cause like, Tom, <laughs> Tom Cruise would like work the press line like so much. Um, but yeah, it was like, he was always chasing that level of fame and he got it. Yeah. 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 So good. I I'm 
every day. And like, Dorian, have you downloaded that book yet? You have to read it <laughs> so we can talk about it. Yeah, for real. <laughs> okay. Um, Christine, what's your second recommendation? Okay. Um, I think my second is going to be, um, is everyone hanging out without me by Mindy Kaling? <laughs> love this one. I mean, I also, she has her other book. Why not me? I, I like, I love both of them. I listen to both of them on audiobook. I love her. Yeah. Um, so definitely like I, when I was making a list of like all the book celebrity memoirs I could think of just to like brainstorm books that I've read or listened to, um, I, there's a lot of like female comedians that I really love. Um, but her book is just like, so great. It's just so like, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's fun to hear it from her voice as always. And just like, she's just someone that's worth hearing about her life and like her inner monologue and like how she thinks about things is hilarious. I mean, she is obviously hilarious and, but like her observations are so smart and I just think it's worth a listen or Mm -hmm. I mean a read, but yeah, again, it's like the best way to absorb these Mm -hmm. types of books is to read them through them telling them to you. Yeah. I love the way she writes about her love of comedy and how Mm -hmm. that was developed when she was young. And Mm -hmm. especially how the way she talks about comedy being kind of a lonely place when you love comedy that much when you're a kid because her friends didn't get it. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, what, you don't want to watch this SNL sketch over and over again? Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, I was that kid. I was like, oh, let's watch this Comedy Central special of this random comedian. And my friends will be like, why? Um, So I, yeah, but I, I love that book so much. One of my favorite jokes from that book is how she talks about how her dad's an architect and that she hates that every rom-com, the gut, the love interest is an architect. Cause she's like, there's like five architects in the world. And one of them is my dad. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. Rachel, what is your second pick? Okay, so my second pick is an act- actually a um, memoir written as poetry, and it's Shout by Lori Halls Anderson. Uh-huh. Lori Halls Anderson is an author who writes about and advocates for survivors of sexual assault. Her much lauded novel, Speak, came out over 20 years ago. I can't, I don't know if it was like late 90s or I read it in high school, which was a very good time for me to read that book. Um, And she decided to put out this memoir because she was like, I wrote about this decades ago and it is still like a big problem. And like, it was around the Me Too movement and, um, you know, stuff like that, where she came out with this memoir and it's so beautifully written. And I, I did listen to it on audiobook and um, she did read her own poetry herself and it, it's really beautifully written and very well done. And I highly recommend it. Kelly, did you read that one? I did. Um, She was at ALA and I got a, I got a copy signed 
And I was talking to her and I'm like, I'm so sorry you get this all the time, I'm sure. But like your books are amazing and speak is amazing. And I can't wait to read this. And I mean, you you know how I flail. <laughs> and then she's like, but I haven't heard that from you. And I'm, then I burst into tears and oh. ran away. <laughs> but Sounds amazing. She's so nice. She's yeah. like the best person. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Kelly, do you have a second pick? I do. Um, my second and final pick, because the week got away from me, is um, This Will All Be Over Soon by Cecily Strong. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Um, she is a uh, cast member on Saturday Night Live, as you all know. And she wrote this memoir mostly about life in the pandemic. But um, what happens is she's very close to her family and her her younger cousin, Owen. So as the pandemic is starting, her cousin has like a brain tumor and he ends up dying, like right as the pandemic is starting. So it's basically like how you how you grieve when the world is also basically shut down. Mm-hmm. And grief is obviously a super isolating thing anyway, but now like, you know, everybody's literally isolated and then also metaphorically isolated and it's it's so good and it's it's just a really interesting discussion of how basically the world can completely change and how you manage to keep going wow I should read that I love her I think she's so great Mm. and uh I I listened to this on audiobook and I would recommend that because she does read it, but also um, she includes a song that her cousin had written. He was in a band as well. Yeah. And it was just like this really great, like well-written song. And yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I do recommend it's It's very good. I also be prepared to cry. Yeah. I also listened to that and I second everything you said. <laughs> okay. I have to read that. Um, okay. My second pick is. This is just my face. Try not to stare by Gabourey Sidibe, um, who was the star of the movie Precious. And she's been in a lot of TV shows like Empire and American Horror Story, The Big C. Um, so she's done a lot. And in her, this is her memoir. And in her memoir, she says that her friends call her Gabby. And because I feel like if you read this book, you will feel like she is your friend. I'm going to call her Gabby. <laughs> so I just loved this book. She is so funny. Um, she's simultaneously really self-deprecating and also very confident. And I just, I loved her whole like attitude and just like how honest she was and, but just, I don't know, just strong. And like, she just seemed like someone you want to be friends with. Mm. So she talks about her, her early childhood and growing up with her, you know, her parents, her mom and dad were married for a time. Um, her mom was, is this like famous subway singer actually? Um, beautiful. She's like kind of, I guess if you Google Gabrielle Sidibe's mom, you'll find like videos and she's very, very talented. Um, and the way she talks about her mom is really cool. She's like, my mom shines bright because she's a fucking star. Like she just (laughs) loves her mom. (laughs) And so I love, I love that dynamic. Um, and when, and her dad is from Senegal, I think. And he, um, is polygamous and, but he didn't tell his mom, her, her mom that he like took a second wife. (laughs) Wild. He marries this other woman in Senegal, who's actually his first cousin and then tricks 
his wife, Gabby's mom, into inviting his cousin, a.k.a. his second wife, to come live with them, her and her daughter, his daughter. What? And then, like, the mom obviously finds out. And then, so then she leaves and takes Gabby and her brother to go. And they have to live in this really small apartment, just the three of them. But, you know, at least they're not with this, with the guy, with the dad anymore. And, and <laughs> when there's one part where she's like, Cause her dad's Muslim. And he says to her one day, you know, when I'm old, you are going to take care of me. Cause that's, you know, what a good Muslim daughter would do. She's like, Oh hell no, I'm not Muslim anymore. Then (laughs) 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 Um, because she was a kid. She's like, I'm not taking care of him. Um, (laughs) So she's had like, she had like really struggled, you know, she actually worked as a phone sex operator before she became an actress and became famous. The way she talks about that is so funny too, because all of the, these phone sex, she walks in and she's expecting something really like seedy and she walks in and it's like this bland office building and everyone's just like in their cubicles, like <laughs> making phone sex calls. <laughs> and it's all um, like plus size black women and pretending to be young middle-class white women on the phone. Like that's all they're doing. And so, <laughs> And she was really good at it because she's a good actress, right? And so she did so well. They they promoted her. She she ended up like training other people. <laughs> and she actually was making, you know, decent money at one point. And so she almost didn't pursue acting because she was like, well, I could like just do this and, and make money. But then she <laughs> got the role of a lifetime and, you know, mm-hmm. the rest is history. So um, yeah, I just love this one. It's, it's so funny. Uh, I love how she talks about, um, you know, she says, you know, it is hurtful how people focus so much on her body and like, she just talks about it very openly. And I really appreciated how open she was about that. And she says something like, you know, if I didn't, if I didn't look the way I look and you met me and you knew all this other stuff about me, you know, how, how fly I am, how, you know, talented I am, all this stuff, would my body still be the thing that you walked away thinking about after meeting me? Mm -hmm. And I just like thought that was so like powerful and spot on. So anyway, I really recommend it. Um, so that's, this is just my face. Try not to stare (laughs) by Gabourey (laughs) Sidibe. That sounds great. Yeah. That sounds so good. It's so good. Uh, all right. Um, Christine, what's your next pick? I guess this is our, we're on our last round. So I'm fighting myself between two, but mm-hmm. I'm going to pick um, Redefining Realness by Janet Mock. Ooh, um, nice. So she's the director of Pose and Hollywood. And so this is about her childhood growing up um, as a multiracial trans person in Hawaii, mm-hmm. um, which is like a really specifically interesting um community that she grew up in and it's about her transition and it's about you know she had to work as a sex worker when she was very young um and her um rise through her career and it's just a, I mean she has it's an incredible story and she is an incredibly talented and so it's just a really great book. I read it for a, a book a book club a few years ago and I still have it and I've actually gone back and reread it. And she just has a super unique story and um, it it's just worth a read. I didn't realize she grew up in Hawaii. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I think she is a fascinating person. So I would love to read that. Yeah. yeah. 
Cool. Uh, Rachel, what about you? I'm also torn on what my next one's going to be, but I think I landed on Garlic and Sapphires by Ruth Reichel. <laughs> so Ruth Reichel is a, a food critic. She worked for the New York Times and she was also editor of, um, was it, oh, which magazine was she editor of, Christine? Um, I can't think of it either. Ugh, I can Google it. Why is it slipping my mind? Um, but uh, one of the really famous like cooking magazines. Um, anyway, she's awesome. And she she's written a few memoirs, actually. But this one I like. Gourmet magazine. Sorry Gourmet. to interrupt you. Yes. Perfect. No, thank you. Um, yeah. So she's written a few memoirs. But this one I really like because it's all about how she would dress up in these disguises to go to restaurants so that she wouldn't be recognized (laughs) so she could get the full like experience of a a real person eating at the restaurant and not be treated like a critic um she's like I want to actually like go to these restaurants and um one of the cool things she did was she would write two articles about a restaurant one based on her experience going as Ruth and the other based on her experience going in disguise and like published and like she would rate the restaurant from each experience. And then like her editor was like, we're going to get so much flag for this. And, you know, (laughs) um, so like they would make her like do a combined rating and stuff like that. It was just very, very interesting the way she really, changed how restaurants are reviewed in newspapers um in the New York Times and everything so she definitely like came in and just flipped everything upside down and created you know her whole new thing and it's such a good book really funny um very interesting just very engaging and I highly recommend I want to know what the disguises were like (laughs) how did she I just read this book because for our, me and Rachel, for our professional organization, we're doing a book club and that was our book that we just did. And they are like really very different disguises and they're very in-depth and she like really goes into character with whatever character, like she develops like a whole backstory for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She wears wigs and does like, she has this like professional makeup artist that she knows that like makes her face structure look different. And wow. Like, she ages herself and it's very interesting. She dresses up as her mom at one point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's funny. I love that. Um, okay. Kelly, you said you don't have a third pick. I do not have a third pick. Okay. I, I think you could co-sign my third pick. I think you've okay. read this one, but go ahead if you had. Did you have something? Oh, I, I was going to say, you know, like Rachel and Christine can have my third pick. Yeah, <laughs> they can do a bonus round. <laughs> well, I think you've read this one. It's Mara Wilson's Where Am I Now? Oh, yes. yes. I love that one. And I read this one a while ago. So, but um, it's really more of a book of essays, but it is about her life. And so I think it counts. You know, she talks a lot about being a child actor. There's a whole chapter that's a tribute to Robin Williams, which is really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, She writes a letter to the character Matilda because, and it's really, it's quite touching because 
she talks about how this character was kind of like her older sister that she felt overshadowed her her whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, like she was always living in the shadow of Matilda. And so I think at a high school English teacher recommended she write a letter to Matilda. Mm-hmm. And it was also like Matilda is also tied up in her mom dying happened around that time. And so she just, you know, has a lot of complicated feelings about it. Um, even though she loved the character and she loved the books. Um, so, and I love how she talks about, you know, like Danny DeVito and Rita Wilson being like her second family. Um, she talks a lot about her struggles with anxiety and I think OCD. Um, she talks about what it's like being a cute child actor and then growing up and not being so cute anymore. And then people don't care about you and how, you know, hard puberty was for her. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was something like she, she lost out like three different roles to Kristen Stewart when she was an adolescent and like, you know, eventually kind of left the acting world behind and, and focuses more on writing. But, um, it's really relatable um, when she's talking about her adolescent years, like how awkward she felt like mean girls she deals with. So it's, it's, it's a really touching and and interesting book. I'm glad I read it and I would, I would highly recommend it. Nice. I can't believe I haven't read that yet. It's really good. Yeah. You'll, you'll love it. Yeah. My, my favorite line is something like cool, like tall is something I will never be. Yeah. I overrelate. <laughs> yeah. All right. Christine and Rachel, a bonus round. What were your, <laughs> was there one um, you wanted to talk about? Yeah. Really quickly. This is like a really weird choice because I feel like it's like, it's just, it's just from like a very specific time period. I feel like when in the early two thousands, um, down the rabbit hole by Holly Madison, who was one of like was Hugh Hefner's yeah. like primary girlfriend. Yeah. Um, when they had that TV show Girls Next Door, I think it was called. Um, I I mean, Rachel knows this, but like I am like a huge reality television person and I always have been. And like that it can be like the trashiest show in the world and I have watched it and I love it. <laughs> um, and so I of course watched that and probably at an age that like was maybe borderline inappropriate for me to have been watching it. Um, and it was just like, I know there was like this period of time where like Hugh Hefner and the Playboy Mansion and Playboy in general was like this huge part of our culture and like was like very weirdly revered and like obviously tons of problematic. Yeah awful things associated there and she just has such a weird and interesting perspective and she's pretty honest and um so it's just like this insight into this very weird cultural phenomenon that was certainly like again inappropriate and like weirdly promoted especially when I was like a teenager (laughs) um and so and I listened to that I think that was honestly one of the first books I listened to on audiobook like randomly I think like it was like in the public lexicon people were talking about a lot when I happened to start listening to audiobooks and I was like well I'm really curious about this because I watched that show it's such a weird show (laughs) (laughs) so weird I remember watching it too yeah and but like all of the the women on that show were really like interesting and likable for their like their different personalities and um 
I always obviously felt uncomfortable about their relationship with Hef, but mm-hmm. um, so hearing her perspective and like what that life really was like versus like how they portray it on the show yeah. um, is super interesting. I haven't listened to it in a while, so yeah, there might be some like stuff that's not great in it, but yeah, mm-hmm. that's the trouble with things we loved in the past. It's like, was it problematic? Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that sounds interesting. And I mean, he was just such a weird, I mean, yes. yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. For a while it was like, he was everywhere yes. and just such a part of the cultural like conversation. Um, Rachel, did you have a bonus pick? Um, yes. So I have, I have like three bonus picks, but <laughs> I think I'll just rapid fire list them off and just be like, yeah. Um, so we've got Lauren Graham talking as fast as I can. Of course, I love Gilmore Girls so much. So I would highly recommend that if you love Gilmore Girls as well. Um, Jennifer Weiner's Hungry Heart, um, mm-hmm. her memoir. Uh, of course, we've talked about her books on this podcast so many times. Yeah. Um, so if you love her books, I highly recommend that one. And then Jonathan Van Ness's Over the Top. Um, I love Queer Eye. I love JVN. He is such just a great, like, I just love the way he like portrays himself in the public eye because he's so honest about who he is. And um, I just really, really like the story that he put out his memoir. It's very touching. If you want to both laugh and cry a lot, read that one. Aw, that's great. Um, Okay. Well, I think we've got some good recommendations. So you know what you should read all of these. (laughs) (laughs) And thanks again, Christine, for joining us. It was so much fun to have you on. Thanks for having me. I had a great time. So that's our show. You can get all of these books on Libro FM. If you don't already have a subscription, use promo code what you should read all one word and get two books your first month for $14.99. And be sure to follow us on social media. We are at WISR underscore podcast on Instagram and on Twitter. And we are also found on Goodreads, What You Should Read podcast, as well as you can email us at what you should read podcast at gmail.com. And now you know what you should read. You're welcome. The podcast all about the titles you need. Join three book lovers and a guest as they cover all the best new titles to enjoy with your team. 